Welcome back to another episode of The Rest, a podcast where you get to hear the rest of the story and where we continue the conversation that Sunday started. I'm your host, Jared Jacobus, and Joel couldn't make it today. Just kidding. He's here. Joel's in the house, and uh, a little little spoiler, he, he'll always be in the house. In the hat? Well, well, not always. Maybe. You'll always be here in spirit. Well, yeah, most likely. We have a lot to cover today, so we're going to jump straight to the sponsor. and Wouldn't then that, uh, Wouldn't that be kind of funny if I said to you, like, hey, next week, I'm not going to be here, nor is my spirit going to be here? I would reject that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I guess it wouldn't work. Yeah, jump in. Go. Yeah, what, what's, jump, what is the, what's the sponsor? The, uh, the sponsor of today's episode is you. Everyone listening and everyone that's engaging in generosity at the church. Ah. Because honestly, without all of you, this building wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have Sunday services. We wouldn't have kids and students programming. We wouldn't have a lot of the amazing relationships that we've all created here. And uh, this podcast wouldn't exist. That's right. So thank you. Thank you to everyone for being a sponsor. Yep. All right. Uh, let's jump straight to the recap. Let's do it. This week was the start of We Could. The vision for We Could originated from a lot of people in our church community saying things like, we need more kids camps. We should do more student events. The church really needs a playground. We need to do more dad camps. Joel's response was always, we could. Generosity. Sight into what the parable actually means and how it represents the master buying the individual's time and proportioning them with the resources to go and do something for him during that period of time. The person that was afraid to do anything with his provision had whatever was remaining taken from him and given to the ones that did what he asked. God has tasked us to build his kingdom, and one day when he returns, he's going to ask us what we did with what we were given. Joel talked about the possibilities. We could grow our kids and family ministries um, from what it is now to um, something that looks like what could be the best in the nation. We could grow our ministry partner contribution from around $100,000 to three or even 500000 We could build a community center for a rapidly growing area and provide a facility where families could come have amazing experiences for either really cheap or even free. Joel outlined the We Could objectives, that we have real Christ-like transformation in our church, that we have overwhelming compassion for the community around us, that everyone gets on board with sacrificial giving, and that everyone commits to it with consistency. Mm -hmm. Lastly, Joel asked all of us to be here and engaged for the entirety of the series of We Could. Anything you want to add to that? It's not very long. It's the, not very, uh, no, the, the series. The series. It's only is, three yeah, weeks. It's three weeks. So there's only two more weeks. Yeah. Everyone can do it. We could. We could do it. All right. Uh, let's start with something that I think is true. And, and you tell me if you agree or disagree with this statement. Okay. I think that if you aren't in a space where you're capable of giving sacrificially, you most likely aren't capable of actually loving sacrificially or serving mm. sacrificially. Mm. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think I think that that is a great um, it, it is a great conversation starter because I think what you're getting at is that if someone's life is so chaotic and uh, disorderly 
yeah. or um, not prioritized properly. Yeah, may, yeah, that type of thing. Maybe even destructive or sinful, or there's yeah. problems, or you know, you're full of whatever. It is really hard to go. Oh, yeah. Now I'm an antithetical thing to my entire. Say the right mindset. That, yeah, for sure. You know, but it would be really hard to move in that direction when you're just not thinking about being a follower of Jesus in general. Yeah. In all the other areas of your life. And, you know, I mean, Paul tells the, the Thessalonians to as much as they can live a quiet and peaceful life. And so I think that, I mean, that's a whole tangential thing that, you know, as we're talking about, but the hurry, the busy, the, the hustle and the bustle and the, you know, all this the stuff that we get so engaged in can certainly steal from us having a life that is full. Yeah. Like I, a lot of people, you know, in the hallways and at church and stuff, I get to meet with all kinds of people and they all know me, you know, whatever. Yep. But I don't know them. And then, you know, when I get to talk with them one-on-one, -on -one, it's, so how are you? You know, people are very kind. How are you? How's your life? What's going on? And, you know, my answer is never, it's, I'm just so busy. Yeah. Um, I, but I say that my life is full, you know, it's just full. It's full of, and I don't mean like, oh, I'm so happy. I, I am, but I'm saying like, it, it just, it's edge to edge, Yeah. you know, but it's all stuff that I want to be doing. It's all stuff that I choose to do. It's all stuff that I think I ought to be doing based on my values. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, if you don't have a value system that dictates how you spend your time, then it's going to be really hard to have a value system that affects how you spend your money. Yep, um, I agree. So I think that's a very, very insightful kind of inverted way to to help people back into, are you even like... Because this is even on your radar. Yeah. And what is on your radar in terms of life and time and energy and your resources and all that. But, yep. Um, can we talk about some of the reasons that people find it hard to commit to giving and then discuss how those reasons are actually holding people back from experiencing that rich and full life that God has and wants for them? Yeah, you know, like, I would say that for the most part, and this is like, eh, might rub some people the wrong way, but I would say that for the most part, when somebody is reluctant to give, they probably have a rationale yeah. in their mind. It's justified yeah. to them. But that most of the time, it's just because they they've been duped and whether they know it or not money probably has more a hold of them than they think so. Yeah. I mean, so again, I mean, if you grew up in church, you've heard it, but Jesus talks about money more than anything else. It's, it's kind of the God of the age. Um, you, uh, you can't serve God and money. You can't have two masters. So a lot of people serve money. Yeah. And and they think that money is serving them. And I think that's what money wants. 
And yeah. money is not bad in and of itself, but it's it has the you know potential to ruin your life if you let it lead your life. If you chase it, if it's all that life is about, it will ruin your life. So, well, if you make it a god, yeah, I think that when you say make it a god, everyone go, oh, well, it's not. Yeah, but then you go, well, you know, what's your motivation every day? Like, why do you wake up? Why do you go to work? What what brings you the most joy? You know, and you start to answer these questions, and, and you know, nobody. That's the thing. You know, people think they know what they want, but they don't actually. We talked about this before. They think the answers are right. They 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 know the answer. Yeah. Is money a god? No. Uh, well, are, when you go to work every day and you're in sales and you make you know two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year or whatever it is. What's your motivation? Oh, just, you know, it's my family and just all that. You know, you can say that stuff, but the reality is for so many people, like the thing that makes their heart rate go higher and the, the thing that they get excited about is that kill, that money, that thing that they chase or yeah. that stuff they can buy because of it or the way that it makes us feel, the way that it makes us feel valuable, the way it gives us a status the way it can make us look a certain way, you know, um, the way we can get what we want. And when you start to get into all that and like, that is actually kind of like the driving factor in your life. Like you have made money a God and it doesn't care if you realize it's a God. Yeah. It'd prefer you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. It just like wants to, it'll rule your life. So, um, uh, yeah. Um, what are some other like, less obvious yeah, reasons. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's one that I think is probably the most pervasive and then what people do is they like they put a smoke screen up in front of it. They don't know that the real reason is money is I'm motivated by money. All I want is money. Money yeah. matters. It's everything. Um uh, all that stuff. And then they'll say stuff like, well, the church doesn't need my money or I don't trust the church or maybe they had a bad experience with church or they don't trust the leadership or um uh they think that, you know, they they might impose upon pastors. Pastors shouldn't have money anyway. They might look at ministry stuff and go, "Oh, they don't need they don't need money for all that." Um, I think some of those are reasons why people don't give. Some people like to look, you know, and and sometimes the thing is, is whenever there's like a lack of institutional trust, it doesn't mean that that that's not true. You know, I mean, oftentimes churches are unfaithful with money yeah. and people's resources and that, that'll make someone not give. And all I would say to that is any criticism of the church is, it comes about by the church. Yeah. So the, the church uses the morals and the guidelines of itself to say when it's wrong. So is that fascinating? It's like people have criticism with the church. Well, what makes it wrong is Christ in his way. So the church knows it's wrong and we know it's wrong based upon what it ought to be. And so the church knows and does things that are wrong. And the way we know it's wrong is because we have Jesus who tells us that it's wrong. And, and, and so, you know, don't, it, it's not the church in general. It's the sin that, can invade into leadership, into different, you know, time frames and different seasons and different, you know, places in the world or whatever it is. And, uh, but that doesn't mean that the church is altogether bad. 
And that doesn't mean that you suddenly aren't supposed to become a generous individual. Yeah. So if you don't trust the church that you're going, go somewhere else. Yeah. You know, go give, like do it somewhere, somehow. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people will say that. Um, People can choose where they're going to give, you know? So if you don't trust it, then don't. But if you do, then, you know, find a place where you get to really grow and uh, become more generous. What I would say to that um, from an outsider perspective, because I was an outsider not too long ago yeah. and then came into it. Um, I, you know, this church is pretty transparent and I've observed very thoughtful and intentional stewardship yeah. here. So, yeah. Well, I appreciate that. That's good. You're like newest on staff. Yeah. And I think the key to that is that the you know the vision leads to the decision. So the articulation of what we're trying to do, the clarity of the win, lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah, you know, um, uh, using technology, using whatever resources, um, loving people so much that they become lovers of Jesus and and lead people who don't love Jesus into when you when you and then you look at it, it's like we want to have a dynamic kids program we want to have all these things and all that stuff is outlined then it's easy to kind of look and see like does the church you know is what's written on the wall happening down the hall that's yeah. what they say yeah and when you come in here you see that yep absolutely so is it, is it perfect no i mean do we always are we always 100% successful is there always like the financial roi no but that's not the point the point is we're leading people into a growing relationship with jesus and that happens through ministry efforts and ministry systems and teaching and gathering and events and all the different things that we do and we just money is a tool yeah it's a tool that we use to accomplish the mission and the vision and i think it's what it's supposed to be yeah so just like you use money uh, to accomplish the mission and the vision of your family. Yep. You know, it's what it's supposed to be about. And whenever the family goes awry, something's, you know, something's off with leadership. If the money goes, if you, you know, start to lose money and you're wasting money and there's tons of debt and there's tons of problems and the house, you know, you start to see it, you go, oh, they're missing, you know, what they, yeah, what they project really they want to do is obviously not happening. Yeah, you know. So I when you're looking at the church, look at what their mission is. Look at what their vision is. And if you can actually see it, then you know, okay, that's what the money's going towards. I mean, one of the greatest things that I had the opportunity to do, which was also a great challenge, was when we built the building. You know, I mean, that's just like, you know, that's just like I, you know, we had a model made and we had pictures and we had like CADs and all this stuff, but it doesn't exist. Yeah. You know, and you, you people, a bunch of people gave that if they gave, yeah, that we're going to build a community center when we have enough money, we will, yeah, you know, so we will do it, and that's worth that's worth giving to, yeah. One uh, one reason that um, was mentioned to me, I think, was derived in fear. So the reason of fear of the money might stop, so I need to have a, a safety net, yeah. For my kids' college, yeah. for my retirement, yeah, to be able to afford the house I want, the cars I want, yeah, and um, it's when you let that drive you, yeah, you're you're not trusting the person that says that he's going to provide for you, yeah, and and you know, so some of it is like people go like, well, I have 
$10 a year. So I I can't, you know, if I'm going to give, God's got to give me more. Yeah. It's just hilarious. It's like, wait a minute. He already gave you. So part of the parable of the talents is, you know, whether he bought you for 75 years of your, you know, life or you for 15 to build, you know, it's all his and he gave it to you. So imagine being like, uh, in order for me to do what you told me to do, I got to do more. And come, the master coming back, and it's like, well, you gave me like, you know, you gave me 30 years of wages, but like, I wanted to do some other stuff for me. Yeah. My thing. And so I need some more in order to do what you wanted me to do. Yeah. So it all kind of hinges on, do we truly believe that everything we have really was given by God? Yeah. You know, um, and that that he hands it to us. Like the, the parable of the talents is not just like a ministry thing. It's like, that's your life. There it is. What are you going to do with the time that he gave you? It's probably more of a picture of not everybody has the same amount of time. Yeah. But like you all, you have enough resources for whatever amount of time he's bought you for. So you and I are given this thing, and I did this in staff. It was kind of funny, but uh, uh, actually, one of my pastors growing up did this. But he said, "Yeah, there's like this idea of God, you know, you know, actually being the one who owns it all." There's a Greek word for that, and and it's the word goya. Has anyone ever heard the word goya? <laughs> you know, you write it on the board. I said G O I A goya. And I was like, anybody ever heard this Greek word before? And I won't say who it was because I don't want to embarrass them. But a couple <laughs> people were like, oh yeah, I've heard that word. I've heard that word. And I was like, it's not a Greek word. It just stands for God owns it all. And uh, and when you get to the point where you look at not what you think you need in order to be generous, that is like honestly like ludicrous. Like imagine going to your kid and you're like, all the money you have is mine. Here, I want to teach you how to deal, deal with it. Yeah. You have to go buy your lunch first and then you can buy these books because you need it for the book thing. And then whatever is left over, you can go, you know, get some candy or you can go to whatever. And imagine them coming to you and going to be like, I need more in order to do this. Yeah. Do what? Well, do the, do other stuff. So you're not doing the thing that I told you to do with the stuff that I gave you. Well, they think it's it's theirs. They think the, it's theirs. The beginning amount, and they're like, okay, you have to give me more. You got to give me more if, if in I'm, order to do what you want me to do. It's like, well, I gave you this to do what you want. And that's yeah. why the whole thing is faithful with a little, you'd be faithful with more. You want more, do what I told you to do with what you have. Yeah. So whenever someone says they don't have enough, to me, that's a no, you haven't prioritized what you have enough in the right way. Yeah. That's and good. You know, and that can be a painful thing. And some people do not make that much money, right? But it's not God's fault that you took what you make and went and rented something that you can't afford yeah. or that stretches it or whatever. You know, like everybody has to manage their own thing. And so you, we're called to be generous people. And, and so... If you make $10, I tell everyone, give 10%, save, give, save, live, give, save, live, live on 80, give 10%, save 10%, and then build your life around 80 and, and live off of that. And if you, if you can't do that, it's like, okay, 
what is it that you have that you don't need that you don't, you know what I mean? Like, because you can't sit there and go, well, we can't give then. Yeah. And then, and then how, I mean, you, you, we think about like, I'm going to talk about this week, but like not giving to God is stealing from God. It's just really interesting. Stealing. That's very interesting. So it's like you look at your $10 and you go, well, I don't have enough to give. So I'm going to give it to myself. And then I'm going to save. So I'm going to give to me, but I'm not going to give to God. Yeah. Well, then most people, usually what it is, is they don't, they don't give and they don't save and they live above a, a 110%. They make $10 a year and they live on 14. And that is just a lack of wisdom. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and, and so everybody, you know, and we have a lot, there's a lot of challenges because people have the idea that you need a certain amount of money and you have to have it and the American dream or whatever that is. Now the statistics show that after a household, this was maybe a couple of years ago, but if a household makes $65,000 a year, anything above that doesn't improve the quality of life. Yeah. It's, it's a proven fact. So everybody thinks if they have more that it's better. It's actually not true. It's if you're good with your money, it's better. Yeah. It's better. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, it's just so stressful. Well, why is it stressful? Well, because we bought this thing we can't afford. Well, yeah, that well, sounds yeah, you're stressful. Not, you're not it sounds money. like you shouldn't have done that. You know, it, it gets so simple when you bring in any, if you've ever spent any time around CPAs and numbers guys and stuff like that. And, you know, you're like, well, we need this. And he's like, why do you need that? You don't need that. Get rid of that. And it's like, yeah. oh, I want that. So one of the things I, you know, frugality is not a virtue, you know, like, like, like being a penny pincher too. Like people are, oh, you know, oh, I don't know, you know, I don't want to just give it away. You know, that's not a virtue. Saving is a virtue. But hoarding is also bad. Yeah. You know, holding back from your family, holding back from life. You know, the money that you make is so that you can live your life and you can give and you can save and be smart and wise. I mean, like the, uh, the Bible says a wise person saves an inheritance for their kids. So, you know, the wise person, the righteous person understands the future and they save and they give and then they live on the rest. And, and you know, I think that, that the right disposition towards the money is to have those priorities. We give to God. He gave it to us all anyway. We save because you never know what can happen. And it wouldn't it be nice to be able to, you know, pay cash for that thing when that thing breaks or whatever that is. And then it's, here's our 80%. Let's, let's go build a, a life that honors God with this 80% and let's thank him for it every day. Yeah. And, and I think the thing is, is like people tithing, it's like, you'll, you'll be blessed if you tithe. I think honestly more what it is, is it's like when you start to take it seriously, when you start to like look at your money and you're like, I'm, I'm going to be like Christ and I'm going to give and I'm going to save and I'm going to live on the rest. I don't think that you necessarily, the blessing is doing things God's way. That's the blessing, yeah. you know, to see the peace that comes with God's way. It's like, oh, you know, did we make a bunch of more money because we tithe? And I'm going to talk a little bit about this. The promise is not that you're going to make a bunch more money if you give. The promise is not that you're going to make tenfold if you give. That's a lie. 
The promise is blessing. And it's more than that. I'm not going to get into it because we'll talk about this week. But when, when somebody orders their life the right way, usually that means they become more wise. Yeah, it's a practical blessing. And, and then when you're more wise and you think about, what do I want to do with my life? I want to be a part of something. I want to build something. I want to show up at a church one day and be like, we're a part of this, man. This is my church. Yeah. That door that just opened, I'm proud, man. I'm proud that that's here. Like we pay, like we're in, man. We want people here, the lights, the air conditioning, the thing, the coffee. We want people to love God and hear this and do all that. And you take that pride and then you start saving and you, you got that. And then you're living off of the rest of your money and you just look at it a certain way. Like you probably will just because you see money differently, you'll probably spend it more wisely and you probably will make more because you become sharp. You know, generosity and, and giving, it sharpens you because yeah. it's, it's, it's intentional. You know, you're intentional when you give. It's part of, it's part of purpose. It's part of how you're designed. You're doing something. You're stepping forward and suddenly you shape up a little bit. And it's like, what do I want to do with my money? What do I want to give it towards? Uh, do I want to, what do I want at the end of the day it to be accounted for? Yeah. Something great. Something great, man. So I want the master to come home and say, well done. And that's not just you gave to the church. That's good job saving. Good job building your family. Good job with all that I've given you. You did a good job. Come and manage more in this kingdom of mine. Yeah. So. And the mindset that everything that you do in and for Christ will be resurrected. Yeah. When he comes back. Yeah. Like. What are you building that's going to be here? What are you building that that's going to be here, man? It's nothing's in vain. Yeah. Nothing done in the name of Jesus for the kingdom of God now is in vain. It's not in vain. It means that it, it means that in whatever way humans will be resurrected, in whatever way Jesus was re resurrected, in whatever way, some way, in a miraculous thing, you know, is it like, will this building be here? Maybe. Maybe not, but will this church be here? It will. Yeah. It will, you know? And that's really cool to think It about. is, man. It is. I think those are the treasures. Yeah. I don't think that treasures in heaven mean that when you get there, that you get to the finish line and he puts a wreath around your neck and gives you a golden medal. <laughs> yeah. I think the treasures in heaven are that you've done something that's worthwhile, that it builds itself into the future and that you get to continue to build on that and be a part of the master's plan of happiness for all eternity. That's the treasure. Think about yeah, what you value. There's nothing better. Yeah. Think about what you value in life. You want a gold medal? You know, you want precious stones? No. It's family and people and meaning that you're building for, that you'll see in the light of the risen son of God. And you'll go, wow, that, that I'm glad I was a part of that. And that's, yeah. That's honestly what I'm, what my job is. So it's just a community center. I mean, don't you want some families to pull in here and, and you know, they, they hate each other and the dad's a mess and the mom's a mess and they come to church and they learn they're loved unconditionally and they learn that God has a plan for their life and they learn to be calm and gentle and patient with one another. And I mean, like what else in the world matters? Yeah. So... Let's pick uh, one or two of the opportunities that you talked about yeah. and really unpack yeah. 
the long term, like the thirty year outcome of what those will bring about. Mm-hmm. Do you like, have one in mind, or do you like wanna... one of the of the uh, the we could kind of possibilities? Yeah, you pick them. Uh, well, let's talk about the kids ministry. Yeah. So expanding the kids ministry from you know three hundred ish, four hundred kids to something that services like yeah. two thousand or more kids. What's the thirty year impact of that? Oh man, I mean it's it's immeasurable. Like when you talk about kids that grow up in the church and they love God and their faith is real and and they've you know been formed that way and and they love the church and they have a healthy relationship with the church. You're talking about the infinite, you know, uh, blessing of God and their future families, yeah, and their legacy that they get to lead. And uh, you're talking about generational sin and trauma getting, you know, put to a stop because some kid, you know, finds their way here and and there might be all kinds of things. And and I don't think that like addiction or any of those, those things are just like, you know, things that you just meet Jesus and they go away. But when when someone's life starts to change and and then their kids are in here and and they learn a new way. They learn the way that they're supposed to live. Like addiction usually is like a a response to some type of trauma and some type of, you know, it's like a coping yeah, mechanism. Something that's missing. Yeah. And so it's like you, 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 you just start to have the ripple effect of health. I think that that's one of the things that doesn't get talked about enough is health. Yeah. Not ease, not painless health. Yeah. Living for the right reason treating each other with love and kindness. I mean, the Bible couldn't be more clear that if you love God, you love people. If you don't love people, you don't love God. So loving your family, loving your neighbors, being people of 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 Jesus all the time, when you start to like become that in your family, you eliminate trauma. You eliminate genera- generational curses. And then these kids, you know, they get to go and they get to build on that. Yeah. You know, so if you think about anything, right, it's building. It's like if, you know, if you want to build something somewhere, you want to build something on the water, you got to start sub-zero. And that's what people that have generational trauma, they're just, they're below the surface, man. Their lives are a wreck. So then you start to build on that. It's like you got to pour concrete in the water to get these bridges up uh, up in the sky. So, they, you know, they get changed. Well, now their kid comes along and they're not on the uh, in, in the depths of the ocean. They're building at zero. Okay, more health. Yeah. Well, then you give them a whole life of loving God and and and, and a healthy home and, and living on purpose and picking your pain and all that stuff. And then that now they got, they're 25 feet in the air. So then their kids get to build on that. And it just, it just starts to become this thing of, of, real kingdom life that comes to earth. I mean, 30 years, are you serious? Like to, to even fathom that we are in a position to have that kind of impact um, is so honoring and humbling. But like you already have, we're 12 years old, you know, maybe 13 years old. Yeah. We're 13 years old. And yeah, it's like we have kids that were, Kellen, my son, was three months old when the church started. Or no, he was he was 
he wasn't born when the church started. He was born three months after the church started. So he's the same age. That's he went wild. all the way through. You know, he's 13 now. And it's like, you've got kids that were started here when they were in middle school. And now some of them are on staff and some of them are interns and their lives are different. Yeah. And so putting more eggs in the kids ministry basket, one of the things I talked about specifically was uh, kids camp. Yep. I mean, kids camp is just like, it is so great for so many reasons because you draw families that wouldn't normally engage in the church to the church through it because even at the most practical level, it's a night of the week for two yeah. hours. You can drop so your kids off. It's an easy entry. A lot of parents become Christians when they have kids. Yeah. Because you get free childcare a couple of times a week. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's, it's uh, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on and on. Yeah. So How would the, you not want to invest in that? The kids' ministry, it's easy to see it as like, oh, kids get to come and worship God, mm -hmm. learn about God, and you keep it in the mindset of kids. Mm -hmm. Those kids become adults. Yeah, right, exactly. And they have families. Yes. And those families make impacts. They, that's right. That's so what I'm talking about. It's, change in generations. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy to mm -hmm. think about the long-term yep. impact that that has. And, and the other thing, too, is in, one, you know, our uh, orange company, think Rethink yeah. Group. And orange is the idea that there's red and yellow, right? I think like red is the home and yellow is the church. And and that if you partner, you become orange, you mix the colors together. And, and the idea is that, you know, the church becomes an assistant to parents, you know, really helping them with, uh, with their kid. And that is a really powerful tool for a yeah. parent. Uh, it's really hard to have the kind of impact on a kid spiritually to the degree that just a small group leader or a, you know, an experience can have. That's why they talk about you want to have people in your kid's life that say the same thing that you do, but it's not you. Yeah. Because when they just hear it from someone else, I mean, I've had my kids come home and be like, oh, yeah, you know, this, and we talked about this. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, I, and I just am kind of like, I've already like moved past it. I'm like, yeah, of course you didn't hear it from me. Yeah. You know, you needed to hear it there. That's that's where you were going to hear it. I'm so thankful that you heard that again from someone else, you know? Yeah. And you finally heard it. And you finally heard it for the first time. All right, um, we got to start wrapping this up. Yeah. Um, this series is the beginning of a movement yeah. that will have exponential impact on hundreds of thousands of people. It will. And their families. It's a field of dreams moment. You know? yeah. If we build it, they yeah. will they'll they really will. come. They will. We can't wait to see you here next week as we discuss part two of We Could on the Rest. Yeah.